Ah, springtime, when the air turns warmer, the grass turns greener, and a bare branch turns into a bud. Springtime, when a young man's fancy turns to thoughts of love, and after he's turned down by every young woman he meets, he can still turn to... Hal Anderson on 680 CJOB. Yes, you can always turn to me. Male, female, old, young, you can always turn to me. Hal Anderson on CJOB. 680 on the AM dial. First day of spring. TFJ, are you excited? Even though there are flurries in the air, are you excited it's the first day I of spring? Am. I love that intro. That's yes, a great thank you. intro, Thank Hal. you very well. It's spring. we got to do something special for spring, right? And I love the fact that when I inevitably get turned down by every young woman out there. You can there, turn to me. There. Me. There right here. One to four. And weekends as well. Yeah. Six to nine a.m. Hal Anderson weekends right here on 680 CJOB. Yes. You know, it's funny. I was chatting with Mike Conkin during my noon uh, newscast. I heard that. It's very good. Yes. Well, he was saying that, uh, I mean, we're in for a melt, mm. but the snow is going to take a while to disappear yet. Yeah. So. Yeah. Although a lot of it has disappeared. Yeah. Fair enough. You know, considering it was just a couple of weeks ago, we had that big dump of snow. Yeah. Uh, a lot of it is gone. Uh, Conkin is fantastic. My weather expert buddy Bruce Johnson will join us on the show today at about quarter to two. One forty-five. We'll talk to Bruce, see what he has to say, and of course, you can get to Bruce's website by going to my website, HalAnderson.ca. Uh, Jeffrey Forche is producing the show today. Are you at all excited, Jeff, that it's the first day of spring today? I am super excited. Good. That's I what I wanted spring. to hear. That's I love what summer. I wanted to hear. I like good weather. What is the favorite thing about spring for you? Oh, the smells. Mm. You know, like that. Yeah. Um, new mm-hmm. trees smell. Yes. Yeah. It's called it's... moisture rot. Okay. That's there what you it's go. Called. Yes. <laughs> it's that's called the pollen. Smell. Yeah. It's called right. hay fever. Oh yes. Don't even get into people <laughs> with uh, with allergies and stuff. Uh, I'm more of a fall guy. I'll be honest with you. I like fall because it's a bit cooler and you don't have the uh, the wet melts yuck that you have uh, with spring. But maybe we'll open up the phones on that today. 204-780-6868. Things about spring that you love, or maybe you have seen some signs of spring already. Let us know. We've had a few people say that they have seen the geese. And uh, if you've seen a sign of spring out there, let us know. 204-780-6868. Hal at cjob.com. Something else I wanted to ask you today before I get into what the show is all about here today. What is the oddest thing you were scared of as a child? The oddest thing you were scared of as a child. The reason I ask is, uh, this had quite a day uh, yesterday on Twitter, people talking about this, and I thought, well, that's a good question for, for on air. Let me just share a couple of the tweets with you, and that'll give you some ideas maybe. The oddest thing you were scared of as a child Somebody said that my teddy bear would suffocate in my bed if his head went under the covers. That person was worried that, you know, you're a kid, you know. Uh, Here's another one. Sharks in swimming pools, inside swimming pools that weren't even deep uh, deep enough for sharks, but still every time I put my head underwater, I'd be convinced there was a shark there. Just stupid, odd, weird things you were scared of. As a child, you know, we were, most of us were scared of the dark and, you know, stuff like that. But there were some weird, bizarre ones. I'll read some more from Twitter for you. But if you've got one, something odd you were scared of as a child, let us know. 204-780-6868. Hal at cjob.com. 
I've told you this one on the air before. One of the things I was scared of, I loved Mr. Dressup on TV. Loved Mr. Dressup and Casey and Finnegan and everybody. I loved everybody on Mr. Dressup. But when that crazy clown mime Poco came around, right, freaked me out as a kid, cried like a baby, didn't want to watch Mr. Dressup, one of my favorite things to watch, because I just couldn't understand why is the guy not talking? Why has he got makeup on his face and why is he not talking? Why is he, you know, making all those motions with his hands? I didn't understand that. So that was kind of something weird about my childhood that scared me, freaked me out. 204 6868 Hal at CGOB.com. It is the first day of spring. We are going to talk about spring a bit. Uh, as I said, my weather expert buddy Bruce Johnson will join us at about 1.45, quarter to 2. We are going to have winning early in the show today. It is the first day of spring, damn it, and we are going to have winning early in the show. Tickets for the Winnipeg Golf Expo at Red River Exhibition Park, April 6th and 7th, and we're going to toss in with those Golf Expo tickets some Santa Lucia pizza, gift certificate from Santa Lucia. So we'll do that after a break here in just a bit. Let me tell you about the rest of the show first, though. Global news coming up at 1.30 with TFJ, and then we're going to talk to Len Isto, traffic ticket experts. We'll continue this discussion about distracted driving. Uh, I think most people agree this is a problem we have to deal with. People aren't getting it. But not everybody is agreeing how we should deal with it. You heard a lawyer in the newscast there with Tristan Field-Jones. We'll see what Len Isto says. I saw Len on, I've known Len for a long time. I saw him on uh, Global News last night. And uh, he does not sound happy with the process that the province is suggesting. So we'll talk to Len after Global News at 1.30. I want to replay, I try and replay every day here on this show, something from Mackley and McGarry this morning. Great show. Great, great show. 6 to 10 a.m. right here on CJOB. And I also try and feature something from Jeff Courier's show. So from Mackling and McGarry today on the show, Randy Ambrosi. The CFL commissioner was in with the Great Cup this morning with the boys. I want to play back a couple of clips from Winnipeg's Randy Ambrosi. And from Jeff Courier's show, Bob Sullivan. This guy, wow, he's an author. He was one of the co-founders of MSNBC. You've heard, I'm sure, about this Cambridge analytical story. It's confusing as hell. But Bob did a really good job of kind of breaking it down on Jeff's show. And so I want to play some of Bob Sullivan's comments from Courier's show coming up here. Muchos kilos, me, Shaner, and Timmy, my band of big guys. It's the first day of spring, so we have to have a new song for you. It's called Love Spring. Instead of Love Stinks, it's Love Spring. That's on the way. After Global News at 2.30, we go to Austin, Texas, KLBJ News Radio. Patrick Osborne is a newsman down there, and Austin is dealing with these explosions, these packages blowing up down there. And as I was watching this story develop, I couldn't help but think about Winnipeg when we had packages out there uh, that were exploding, and we didn't know what was going on. And police were, you know, fairly quickly able to get a a suspect in custody. Austin, this is going on, and these blasts are deadly. People aren't just getting hurt. These are deadly blasts, and it doesn't seem like they have much of a lead as to who's doing it. So we'll talk to Patrick Osborne at KLBJ News Radio in Austin, Texas, after Global News at 2.30. And as you know, 
a bunch of little bits and pieces here and there that I'll squeeze in. We'll try and have some fun as we go along here today. And, of course, keep you up to date on the very latest news. One twelve, quick break. And when we come back, your chance to win Tough Trivia is next. Tough Trivia time, 204-780-6868. Up for grabs. Winnipeg Golf Expo tickets, Red River Exhibition Place, April 6th and 7th. And Santa Lucia Pizza. We're going to toss in a gift certificate for some Santa Lucia as well. All you got to do, all you got to do is get the question right. Here is the tough trivia question. And because it's the first day of spring, it's a tough trivia question kind of relating to the weather in a way. Here it is. The only, uh, this only happens, whatever this is, whatever the answer to the question is, this only happens 24% of the time in the summer Versus 45% of the time in the winter. What could that be? This only happens 24% of the time in the summer, 45% of the time in the winter. What could that be? And it actually, it's just random. It has nothing to do with the weather. So if you're thinking, oh, it must be something about, no. It's just kind of weird. Something weird that happens almost twice as much in the winter compared to the summer. 204 780 Golf Expo Ticket Santa Lucia Pizza. Hi, right, you got a guess? 68. Yeah, go on vacation. Go on vacation. Uh, yeah, that makes uh, a sense, kind of, but no, not what we're looking for. Sorry about that. Hello, CJOB. An eclipse. I'm sorry? Oh, an eclipse. An eclipse. No, not an eclipse. Hi, CJOB. Falling down? Falling down, maybe, but not what we're looking for. Sorry about that. Hi, CGOB. Hi. Hi. Uh, drowning. Drowning happens uh, more in the winter versus the summer. No, not the answer we're looking for. Hi, CGOB. Hello? Hmm? One more time. Hello? Nobody there? Hi, CGOB. Hi. Hi. Would the answer be childbirth? Childbirth. Women having more babies? Yeah, no, not the uh, answer we need. Sorry. Hi, CJOB. Hello. Hi. Uh, how about tripping? Trip, tripping? Trip, no, trip, no, trip. no, no, not tripping. No, sorry about that. I'll give you a bit of a hint. Um, oh boy, that's maybe too good of a hint. I'm going to take a few more uh calls 204-780-6868 of the time in the summer 45% of the time in the winter what is it it happens more in the winter than in the summer hi you sleep in sleep in no not sleeping ah uh, whoa uh it's not sleeping in but it kind of has something to do with sleeping when somebody does this you might say Maybe that person needs to go get a, a nap, go to sleep. Hi. Sleepwalk? Not sleepwalk. Nope. Hi, CJOB. Uh, go to bed early? Not go to bed early. No. 24% of the time in the summer this happens, 45% of the time in the winter. Hi. Hi. Uh, I had something else, but now that you yeah. gave uh... <laughs> Yeah, that's the way it works, eh? You think you got it, Sorry. and then you give a hint, and you go, oh, darn. I'll tell you what, I'll give you another hint. While you're on the line, I'll give you a chance, okay? okay. First chance at this. Uh, when somebody does this, other people do it as well. In the room, like, when somebody does this, other people tend to do it as well. Yawn? 
Yawn, yes, yawn. <laughs> Good for you. Contagious yawning. Yes, contagious yawning happens 24% of the time in the summer, 45% of the time in the winter. Good for you. What's your name? Jean. Jean, you've got those Golf Expo tickets, which it's happening at uh, Red River Exhibition Park, April 6 and 7. And uh, you're going to enjoy some Santa Lucia pizza. Thank you. Yeah, put you on hold here. Jeff Forte is going to get all your info and we'll get you all hooked up, okay? It is uh, 20 after 1, one twenty. Len Easto coming up after uh, Global News at one thirty with Tristan Field-Jones. Len Easto from Traffic Ticket Experts. We'll talk to him about... Uh, the uh, new legislation on distracted driving here in the province of Manitoba. By the way, I asked uh, earlier, one of the questions I asked at the start of the show, uh, what were you scared of as a child? The oddest thing that you were scared of as a child. This is a big uh, a conversation on Twitter yesterday, and so I thought I'd ask you and get you to weigh in on this. Um, here's another one from Twitter. Uh, this person was scared that everyone could see his thoughts like speech bubbles. He saw the speech bubbles somewhere on a cartoon or something, and he was worried everybody, every time he thought something, people, <laughs> which is just silly now, right? But that's kind of what I'm looking for. The oddest thing you were scared of as a child. And I'm getting a few text messages on this, 204-780-6868. Here's a good one. <laughs> I laughed when I read this one. Hal, my brother used to chase me around with his Kiss album. I was terrified of the band Kiss until I was about 14. Yeah, and that's funny. It's not that odd, really, because, yeah, if you're a kid and you see this band and their makeup and their costumes, and no wonder. Yeah, I understand that completely. Uh, Here's another one, 204-780. 6868. How after watching Frosty the Snowman, I was scared my snowman would leave while I slept. So he builds a snowman and he go to bed and he was worried he was going to get up in the morning and the snowman would be gone. Well, depending on the temperature, I guess the snowman very well could have left. Uh, but I get what you're uh, what you're saying. And then Dave says, "How weird. I can't explain it weird, but as a child, I was so scared at the sight of very old wheelchairs. Yeah. I understand that. I I get that. And, you know, there's just kind of something creepy. Often you'll see that in, in horror movies, right? They get just this, if it's, you know, a horror movie is set in some old hospital or something, and then you got that rickety wheelchair in the corner, and yeah. Ryan just sent in a text message, 204 780 6868. Ryan says, dinosaurs attacking me in my basement. Yes. Mm-hmm. Dawn says, I was terrified of my mom's fish tank. She had some sharks in it, all of about half an inch long, but I was just terrified of them to the point of avoiding the room if possible. Yes. Some good ones coming in uh, by text. I'll kind of collect the uh, good ones, and we'll have some more for you coming up here. But that's what I'm looking for. The oddest thing you were scared of as a child. The oddest thing you were scared of as a child. By the way, today, if you're wondering, and I like to look at this every day, a bunch of stuff today. 
Today is Bed In for Peace Day. Today is Extraterrestrial Abductions Day, French Language Day, Great American Meat Out Day, International Astrology Day, International Day of Happiness, International Earth Day, Kiss Your Fiance Day, National Agriculture Day, Native HIV AIDS Awareness Day, Proposal Day, Ravioli Day. I have never met ravioli I did not like. Ravioli Day today. It is Snowman Burning Day today. It's, of course, the first day of spring, also known as Spring Equinox or uh, Vernal Equinox, I think is what it's called as well. It's Tea for Two Tuesday. Won't You Be My Neighbor Day today. World Day of Theater for Children and Young People. World Sparrow Day and World Storytelling Day today. And uh, because it is Ravioli Day today, I've put together some fun facts about ravioli, which I'll get to a little later on. Thought we would uh, do that for the for the heck of it on Ravioli Day. It's not Ravioli Day every day. It's only Ravioli Day uh, one day a year. So I thought we'd have a little fun with that today. And keep the... Uh, Keep the weird things that scared you as a child coming. 204-780-6868. Hal at cjob.com. Tristan Field-Jones has global news for you coming up here at 1.30 in about uh, four minutes. And then after that, Len Easto will join us. We're going to talk about distracted driving in the province of Manitoba. Len Easto is with Traffic Ticket Experts. All that on the way. Hal Anderson on CJOB. Thank you, TFJ. The uh, forecast is consistent, if nothing else. It does appear to be uh, almost boring, really, but I'll take it. Nothing wrong with well, that. You want another 22 centimeters of snow? No. Nope. Uh, there you go. Like I said, I'll take what we're getting. That's exactly. fine. Thank you, sir. Uh, Len Easto is joining us now. We're going to continue to chat here about distracted driving. We've been talking about this since Friday when the province announced that uh, stiffer penalties were coming. They aren't here yet, but we found out some more detail, and so the conversation continues. Len Easto is with Traffic Ticket Experts. Len, nice to chat with you again. Thanks, Al. Nice to be here. Yeah. um, I heard you, uh, well, I saw you as part of the global story that Amber McGookin did. Uh, Weigh in on this. What do you think? I think we, I I said earlier, and and I, I think we can all agree uh, you know, texting and driving or, or being on your phone while you're driving is incredibly dangerous. It can be deadly. Yes, I I, I think you're right. Everybody mm. can agree on that. Yeah. But you got some concerns about these uh, new stiffer penalties. Well, I think a couple concerns. First of all, right away, the the provincial government has gone to taking away the right of the driver to answer to the charge before you get any type of penalty. Mm. In other words, you're getting that suspension on the spot. Uh, You're allowed to get a temporary license and drive away from there. But then for the next three days, you're going to be suspended uh, without any uh, formal charge being heard by uh, a judge or an adjudicator of any kind. In other words, the police officer's sole uh, vision of what took place is what they're relying on to impose that three-day suspension. My thought would be, why not try a stiffer penalty uh, fine-wise first, uh, where the person can still have their rights not taken away by challenging the ticket, uh, and and just look at a, a stiffer penalty, make it much more money than the 200 It's only $203 right now. 
So let's look at that first before we go to taking people's rights away and just giving them a suspension immediately. And it all sounds good. I hear lots of people say, well, you know, they should do something about it and they should take the license away. And that's okay uh, when you're looking at it that way. But when you're the person who's claiming they didn't have the phone in their hand, they weren't using it, but the police officer thinks that's what he saw. They're not always right. Majority of the time they are, but not always. And when you're that person who is innocent and now you're imposed with it, you're stuck with this three day suspension. It starts to hurt. Yeah, uh, Scott Newman was just making that point in the news from the defense lawyers uh, here in the province of Manitoba. Um, And and somebody said to me, well, the courts are jammed up, Hal. We can't have everybody, you know, fighting uh, this in court. Well, that's not our problem, is it, Len? I mean, uh, fix the court problem then, because I I think you're right. I, I think in most cases, whatever that cop decides on the spot is probably the right decision. But when he or she is wrong, that person's rights are being trampled, aren't they? They they definitely are. And the court system is catching up. We had a huge backlog in traffic court. That's being alleviated quite a bit right now. So we're catching up. I think that's a a really bad argument because it's everybody's right in this country. That's what we're based on in our democracy for that ability to be able to challenge a ticket, challenge a charge when you think you, you need to do that. Let me ask you a question. Uh, You're in court every day fighting tickets for people. I imagine many of them are for distracted driving. How many of those distracted driving tickets that you fight in court end up getting tossed or in some way reduced? Well, I think certain ones are looked at by the courts, by the Crown attorneys, and, and, and by the defense side of things as being less severe than others. You can be sitting in your car uh, with your family member beside you or a friend, and they say, hey, I I, want to check something on the phone, and theirs isn't with them or whatever, and you reach in your pocket and you hand them your phone. By simply doing that, you've you've broken the law. You had no intention of using it. You're just handing it to that person, and that's it. But technically, because you're in your vehicle and you're driving, it's against the law. Uh, So ones like that, ones where you're stopped at a red light, those ones, people get some degree of some consideration in leniency. Uh, the ones where you're driving down the road and chatting on your phone, obviously, uh, those ones are usually metered out the full extent of the law in the way of a penalty. And I don't think any of us would argue with that. Um, but we still try to challenge them. And there are times when uh, those are uh, dismissed for whatever reason happens in court that day. Certainly the majority of them are still valid tickets and they still go through that way and they end up on the person's record. But we do manage to get rid of a few. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, again, I think probably in most cases that cop making the call on the spot is probably making the right call. But I I really do see uh, when people say, whoa, this is, uh, you know, that cop is, the witness, uh, the accuser, the judge, uh, you know, that cop is everything. And and we know cops do a great job out there, but I really do feel for people that say, I wasn't on my phone, I was opening a chocolate bar, right, or or whatever. And they should have that opportunity to, to make that argument. Yeah, it should never be that we give that to the officer on the street. And, and I don't think 
that they want that job. Their job is to hand out the ticket and let the courts decide on the penalties that go with that. And I think they're quite happy to do that. When it comes to the person who's now got that ticket and they didn't deserve it, and it is just a mistake, it doesn't matter which one of us it is out there, we're not going to like it. And, and there is no recourse to it. You're walking for three days and that's all there is to it because you have no recourse to it. Yeah. Hey, Len, you've done this. How many years have you done this now? Many, many years. 27. 27 years. Wow. And have you seen some crazy tickets for distracted driving over the years? You know, whenever we talk about distracted driving and and using your cell phone while you're driving, we hear the stories. Well, I had one yesterday that we chuckled about, but it's crazy to think stuff like this happens. Uh, Somebody called in and said, I saw, you know, a woman breastfeeding her baby while driving. Do you see a lot of tickets for distracted driving other than cell phone use or... Well, there, there aren't any. You can't get a distracted driving ticket or a, a, an electronic, because it has to be involving an electronic device right, right now. So those tickets to date haven't happened. The odd time we're seeing tickets where somebody has a poodle in their lap or a small dog or a big dog even, uh, and they're getting a different kind of charge. It's not called distracted driving. It's not that at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's usually imprudent driving or it's careless driving or right. something like that. Yeah. Uh, so those aren't re- that isn't really the case. But uh, overall, once they look at the legislation, they may be going in that direction. I've heard that uh, mentioned a number of times. It's not there yet, as far as I know, uh, but uh, that could be just around the corner. You think what we should try first before we go to this extent then is a higher uh, fine. Pay more if you're caught doing it. And you've done this, as you said, for many years. Is that why people call you to try to get your help with a ticket because they want to save the money or is it about points or what's their biggest concern? It's, it's always about the demerit points, number one. Number two, they don't want it on their driving record. Number three, or even further down the list, if there is one, the, the money is usually the very last thing that they're the most concerned about. However, when you've got five points already being assessed for a a cell phone ticket or a distracted driving ticket, as we want to call it, the next best thing to that, five points is one of the biggest you're going to get. Mm -hmm. Most offenses are just two demerits. So with five points, and then you add, say, I don't know, over $500 or $750 fine on top of that, uh, I think you're really going to open up some eyes because it's a double whammy. The three days of walking, I think people can get through that, and and I don't think they're going to think it's that bad. It's just the ones that are innocent that I'm most concerned about. I don't even think a three-day penalty of a suspended license for someone using a cell phone, I'm not sure that's really the best penalty. I think the money and the five points is way better. Yeah, that was my initial thought, too. You know, I thought, wow, I'd I'd be way more concerned personally about the money and the points than I would be about having to figure out how to get around for a few days. Well, it's only three when you think about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think we can get by. Most people, and will they learn? That's the question. Right. The the whole objective is to make them, make people aware, Mm -hmm. and the penalty has to be severe enough to when they go to reach for that phone next time, it's, it's in their mind, right? Right. Len, thanks a lot for doing this. Len Easto, traffic ticket experts. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Al. Bye-bye. All right. 142. We'll take a quick break, and we will be right back. Hal Anderson on CJOB. Hal Anderson.
147. It is the first day of spring. We're going to talk about that with my weather expert buddy, Bruce Johnson, here in just a moment. Uh, but Len Easto uh, joined us before the break there from uh, Traffic Ticket Experts. And Glenn is on the phone wanting to talk about distracted driving. So I'll squeeze Glenn's call in here, and then we'll talk to my weather expert buddy, Bruce Johnson. Hi, Glenn. Hey, how you doing? Good. You had some thoughts after my chat with Len Easto? Yeah, I think it would be so much easier if we did what BC is doing, and that is to put in a software that just disables your phone when you're moving. It's Cell Control is one company, but, I mean, BC is testing out a number of different solutions, and I think the government just needs to do the same thing. Don't make it uh, driver option. Make it mandatory that if your car is moving, your phone is disabled. Well, I'm sure the technology does exist. I, I don't know for a fact, but I'll take your word on that, that the technology is out there. But then don't we run into the same problem again? People's rights are being trampled. I have the right to have my phone working in case I get an emergency call. If I do go on my phone, I'll pull over. I mean, I can hear it already. As soon as you stop, your phone works. Mm. Okay. You know, I mean, that's why it's there. When you're moving... You shouldn't be talking or you shouldn't be texting. That's the law. So simple. Make it a law and then just implement that so that the phone doesn't work if you're moving. All right, Glenn. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. 204-780-6868. If you want to comment on that or anything else, we're also taking your calls and text messages and emails on the weirdest thing that scared you as a child. When you were a kid, what weird things Uh, frightened you, and I've got a bunch of text messages to get to on that. But it is the first day of spring, and because it's the first day of spring, let's talk with my weather expert buddy, Bruce Johnson. Hello, Bruce. Happy first day of spring, my friend. Oh, thanks. You too. It's (laughs) just about the same amount of daylight and darkness worldwide right now. Yes, I guess so, eh? Yes, equinox, so everybody gets just about 12 hours of sunlight, or the sun's up for 12 hours and it's down for 12 hours, so that's just about, it's going to be the same worldwide, northern, North Pole, South Pole, equator, anywhere. Mm-hmm. I uh, read the forecast there, and I said to Tristan Field-Jones earlier, kind of a boring forecast, but you know what, I'll, I'll take it. Uh, it's not a perfect first day of spring. But not bad. We're hoping to get to plus one this afternoon. Yeah, a few flurries kicking around, but nothing serious. I, I think we should take it. Well, yeah, it's, it's, hey, it's better than uh, Antarctica. As I looked the other day, it was minus 69.7. That's minus 93 Fahrenheit. That's kind of cold. So, And it's just the beginning of fall down there. So, uh, we, it, like you say, it could be a lot worse uh, and it. You know, somewhere it is. Yeah. Hey, we were talking on my weekend show, and you were keeping your eye on something coming up this coming weekend. Has that mm-hmm. uh, changed or developed uh, for the better or worse at all? Well, it's one of those things. It's there. It's not huge, but we'll have to see because it, it comes, it gets bigger, then it gets smaller, it gets bigger, it gets smaller. Right now, it's shifting between rain and snow. It's not going to be, it may not be all snow. It may, may be all rain. I'm not sure yet. It's kind of in between right now. It's still enough time between now and then, five days, that it's there's a lot that could come together. All that storm has to do is track a little further south or a little further north, a little further east or west, and yeah. it changes everything. But you weren't seeing it as being, uh, if it does come in the form of snow, you didn't see it as a big accumulation. You figured maybe a couple of centimeters, eh? It doesn't look very big, of course. It doesn't look like the one we had a couple weeks ago, Mm. but it 
it is definitely something. And I'll, as we get closer, I'll be able to figure it out. And a lot of it's going to be what, where is it going to form and what, the, what is the track going to be? And that's what I've got to watch. Cause it, there's a lot of uncertainty because it, sure. one model shows 20 millimeters of melted precipitation, some of which would be rain. And then next one shows three or four. So, I mean, that's, yeah. it's all over the place right now. So it doesn't, it, it's, there's, again, that level of uncertainty is pretty high and it's not unusual in the spring. We talked a bit about this on the weekend. Today is the first day of spring on the calendar, but it doesn't mean that the spring weather uh, is uh, is here, certainly not today. Do we have any sense as to what our spring is going to be like? Well, the next few days it's going to warm up a little bit. I think uh, maybe even 7 or 8 degrees about a week from now. And then we'll see once the snow is gone, it, then, of course, it will warm up. Are we going to get another one? I don't know yet, simply because it's too far away. But I would think it'd be as we get later on into the spring, we may t- trend more toward normal and get rid of the below average weather. Because a La Nina is not going to affect us toward summer. It just mm. does not affect us in the northern hemisphere that time of year so we'll lose the effects of that i'll have to watch you know for some other variables to see whether it's going to be above or below average both temperature wise and precipitation wise so uh, not really sure yet hopefully it won't be a you know wildly uh, hot or cold or wet or dry you know and i'll just have to see how that comes together but there are lots of different variables that affect us in the summer as opposed to El Nino and La Nina, because that's a wintertime thing. Yeah, a nice normal spring would be just fine with me. And you were saying on the weekend, and, and let me know if that's still the case, but you were saying on the weekend that you don't sense as though uh, spring is going to rush to get here. You think it's going to be slow to warm up. Right, we're going to be slow to get into it, which is good as far as the flood. That you're not, the snow's not going to melt all in two days, so that's a big help. And maybe we'll get a little more moisture again Sunday of some kind, uh, we can get some moisture, which we need. But again, if you're not getting a snow melt that's rapid, that's it was, it was better for it soaking in. But there's a very deep frost because it was very cold at times. We didn't have a lot of snow on the ground. So it's going to take a while for that frost to come out up out of the, the ground. So that's going to, of course, it delays planting a little bit, but it also delays the absorption of moisture because with the frost there, it just sits. You know, you'll, see, you'll see fields of puddles. And they don't go anywhere. That's simply because it, it can't go down because the frost is in the way. Yeah. Bruce, thank you, pal. Appreciate it. Sure. I'll talk to you later. All right. Enjoy the rest of your first day of spring. And by the way, you can get to Bruce's website, all kinds of great weather info at his site by going to my site. Best way to get there is through my site, halanderson.ca. That's halanderson.ca. Some people reacting by text. To our talk about distracted driving, when Isto uh, joined us, and then I think it was Glenn who suggested that maybe the technology should be in place where if you're in your car, your phone just doesn't work, and people are reacting to that idea. Uh, how? What if you're the passenger? Yeah, you want your phone to work if you're the passenger. Actually, a couple of people uh, put that out there as a problem with uh, Glenn's idea. And somebody else is saying this is the foot in the door of the beginning of taking away freedom of mobility. Yeah, a lot of people are are sort of on that uh, uh, bandwagon now about rights, including Scott Newman, 
who is with the criminal defense lawyers here in the province of Manitoba. Here's a couple thoughts from him on the new distracted driving legislation. This is very dangerous, and it is equally as dangerous as impaired driving. But just because the effect is equally dangerous doesn't mean that the way that you deal with the problem should also be dealt with in the same fashion. Len Eastall from, uh, from Traffic Ticket Experts says rather than, uh, you know, taking away a person's license on the spot for three or seven days if it's your second offense, although they are going to let you drive home. Like you don't lose it right there, but you lose it kind of the next day. Um, Len says uh, he thinks try upping the fines. He thinks people will be impacted more if they have to pay more. That's what Len Easto said. Here's one more clip from Scott Newman here on this distracted driving legislation. These are serious consequences based on a police officer's belief that you were talking on your phone. There's no judicial recourse. I can't go to court and say, well, that's not true. That didn't happen. And Len from uh, Traffic Ticket Experts made the same uh, point. You should be able to go and argue your case in front of a judge. And uh, one argument I heard was, all the traffic courts are all backed up, Len says. Uh, they're starting to catch up on that. It's not as bad as it once was. So what do you think? 204-780-6868. Hal at CJOB.com. Global News at 2 is next. It's uh, plus one right now at 680 CJOB. And now here's somebody who's more than a plus one, I hope. It's Hal Anderson. <laughs> yes, many pluses behind my name. Thank you very much, TFJ. Tristan Field-Jones. Hal Anderson. Uh, we got Jeffrey Forche producing the show. We're going to talk to Global News reporter Dinah Foxall in just a moment. But we got a couple people wanting to chat about distracted driving. We'll start with Paul. Mike, stand by. We're coming to you in a second. Hi, Paul. Yeah, hi, man. Hi. What did you want to say quickly? How are you doing, I gotta, Hal? I'm good. No, I gotta... no, no, this is a slippery slope, man. Yep. A very, very, very slippery slope. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. They say driving is a privilege, not a right. Yeah. Right? Yep. Okay. So we have to go back to that Winnipeg strike back in the oh day. Oh, my gosh. Paul, I, and, I, I and, needed a... And, I needed a... And everyone shuts down their vehicles, and, and there's no transportation. Okay, Paul, I really, I, I'm going to put you on hold, Paul, because I really do have to get to Diana Foxall. I'll have lots of time for you in a second. So if you want to hang on the line, please hang on. But I needed to make this a quick point. Your calls are important to me, but I really have to get Diana on. She's waiting here. Mike, I'm going to get you on, but you got to make it quick. Make your point about distracted driving quickly, please. I like the fact that they're going to a punitive fine system as opposed to a financial fine system. You, you feel no shame if you just pay the money. If you, if you got lots of money, it's not really a punishment. But if now that you're you're being scolded and have to stand in the corner for a couple of days, it's a real punishment. Hmm. You, could, you could even expand on that. Okay, maybe you have to stay a week without your car. Right. And maybe wear your wife's dress or something. You know, <laughs> this is something to have fun with. Yeah. Well, I, listen, I don't think it would ever come to that. Len Eastow from Traffic Ticket Experts, who we had on, said he thinks the money uh, would be a better deterrent. You think it's the other way. You think losing your license is a bigger deterrent. 
it, you know, it's because it, then it, it becomes that same old thing. It's always about the money for government. Mm-hmm. But now, if you if you take your privilege away for a week or whatever, yeah, or, or if you're if you're fine, it's going to say it's a thousand dollars, right? Right. That's the fine. How long minimum wage do you have to work to earn a thousand dollars? So then you would say, okay, we're going to punish you. Mm. you at that, at that that wage level, say you cannot drive your car for until you would earn that much money in minimum wage. Yeah, that's a real fine. I guess that's for I guess for fine. some people, you're, you're right. It would depend on the person. For some people, the money's a bigger deal. For others, uh, losing the license would be a bigger deal. Mike, I gotta let you go. Thank you, though. I appreciate the call. Thank you. All right, and Paul, you hang on. I will talk to you, but i got to go to Global News reporter Diana Foxhall, who has more information for us on cannabis in the province of Manitoba. What more do we know? So today, the province uh, introduced a bill at the legislature, and they outlined kind of two main points of what we can expect to see when cannabis becomes legal. In fact, one that will take effect April 1st, and that is the health side of things. So that applies a bit more to where you can and can't smoke cannabis. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty straightforward. It's going to be pretty similar to where you can and can't drink alcohol and where you... Um, if you're a cigarette smoker, where you can and can't smoke cigarettes. So uh, public places, beaches, patios, that sort of thing, you're not going to be allowed to smoke cannabis. Uh, You can't walk around with your joint. You can't um, go to a sort of an outdoor sporting event and light up a joint, even if everyone else is lighting up a cigarette. So that stuff is pretty much, I think, what we've expected. If Mm -hmm. you are planning to smoke in your own home or in your backyard, that is acceptable, as are certain specified uh, rooms and hospitals in terms of palliative care and that that sort of thing where that is already right good to go. Mm-hmm. And the next thing that they touched on kind of ties into the federal bill C-46, which is all about driving. And I think that's been a big question. How do we enforce making sure that drivers are not driving while high? Right. So obviously if when cannabis becomes legalized, how do you prevent people from driving under the influence of that? So what they're going to be introducing is an oral fluid screening device. So police are going to be able to test saliva at the roadside. It's going to be a pass-fail test just indicating whether or not someone has drugs in their system. And that screening device will be able to test for cannabis as well as cocaine and meth. So I don't believe that one tells you what kind of drug it is. But if you do fail that test, the the officer can order a blood test. And similar to if you refuse the blood test, that's kind of like refusing a a breathalyzer. So that does come with some consequences Mm -hmm. there. So they're going to test your saliva. That's interesting. They are. That is the plan. So instead of a breathalyzer, you will be um, Mm -hmm. getting... It'll be a device, I believe, that just goes into your mouth and somehow yeah, it gets right. the saliva. And you either pass it. or fail. It doesn't say how much or necessarily what drug is in your system. It's just, yeah, this guy is uh, under the influence of some sort of uh, of drug. Exactly. And that's mm. where the blood test comes in. So if you do fail that, the officer will then bring you to get a blood test. Right. Uh, that will determine, uh, based on how much of the drug they find in your system, if it's between 2 na- nanograms and 5 nanograms, that will run you a sort of low, um, a low level charge. If it's more than five nanograms, you will be seeing a high level charge. Um, the sort of post, con- if you're convicted of any of this, the post conviction sanctions sort of match up to that accordingly. Obviously, a little bit stricter if you are found to have a high level of um, cannabis in your system while you're driving. Mm. There's also a new one. Um, they're going to be doing a mixed. If you have alcohol and cannabis in your system. Uh, There's varying levels for both the alcohol content 
and the amount of cannabis you must have in your system. But those, if you're found with a mixed concentration, you will be subject to the same post-conviction sanctions if you are convicted as having a high level of cannabis in your system hmm. while driving. All right. Interesting. Anything else? Or those were the two points we wanted to get out there, those right? Are, those are the two main points yeah. for today. Um, again, it's it's kind of comparable if you are convicted of having a high level of cannabis in your system while driving. That's going to look like pretty much if you are over the, the 0.08% of al- blood alcohol mm-hmm. content while driving. So that's quite similar. Um, if you're convicted of having a low level of drugs in your system while driving, it's a little bit little bit more lenient, obviously. No vehicle seizures. There's a few other things in there, but um, it's going to look pretty similar to mm-hmm. just uh, driving under the influ- influence yeah. of alcohol. Right. All right, Global News reporter Dana Fossil, you've got to go and get those stories together. So you go ahead, but I appreciate you coming in for a couple of minutes and just kind of uh, giving us the lowdown on that. So pretty much uh, you will not be able to smoke cannabis in the province of Manitoba where you can't really smoke cigarettes now or, you know, you can't be walking around with a joint in your hand just like you can't walk around with a beer in your hand, you know, if you're not in your own backyard or something. And interesting that they're going to test your saliva That is how they will determine whether or not you are under the influence of cannabis while driving. And you'll be hearing more about that as we go along here this afternoon on CJOB. 212 now. It's Hal Anderson on 680 CJOB. He is the man, the legend. Thank you. Hal Anderson. I don't know about legend, but I kind of am the man. Well, one of them. How you doing? Hope you're having a great uh, Tuesday afternoon. Thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you for all of your text messages and emails and phone calls. Distracted driving is uh, uh, kind of uh, what you guys want to talk about. But now I've got Dan and Joe wanting to talk about driving high because the province has announced that they will test your saliva uh, to make sure that you're not driving under the influence of cannabis, not uh Toking and driving. Got to come up with a an interesting way of putting that. But anyhow, I I had to cut Paul off earlier because we had Global News reporter Dana Foxall. Now, Paul, uh, I want I really want you to make your point, but I've got people waiting, so make it quickly, please. We don't need to go back to the strike uh, of nineteen nineteen. Okay, okay, okay. I will make my point quick. All right, go. This is a slippery slope. You already said that. Slippery slope, yeah. Yes, yes, I did. And what I'm getting at is the state is overextending its... Yeah, I think I know what you, Paul. I apologize, man, but I've got people waiting, and you're just uh, send me an email, hal at cjob.com, or call me after I'm off the air at four, and we can have a nice long chat in the newsroom about this. But we really got to make our points quickly. I think he was getting at what other people have said that people's rights are being trampled by a police officer deciding on the spot that you were driving distracted and you're going to lose your license. For however many days, depending on, uh, you know, what offense it is. Dan wants to talk now about driving high. What do you think of this, Dan? Testing your saliva. Hi, I'm all for that. If they have a device that they can test the saliva instead of trying to come up with their own little road rules to try and decipher whether a person's high or not. Right. I just, I just find that it's funny that a lot of people think that 
there's going to be a real increase in the number of people driving while under the influence of marijuana. It's not like as soon as it becomes legalized, there's going to be an increase of people. There might be that might have wanted to try it, but now that it's legal, they can. It's not like they're going to go jump behind their wheel and just start puffing away on a bong or, you know. It just I think that it's kind of funny. There's a lot of people out there that think that there's just going to be a mass outbreak of people driving while high when how many people decided to drive drunk after alcohol was legalized. Yeah, They're already driving I, drunk. I think you make you make a good point uh, because I think anybody who wanted to smoke pot has been smoking pot, whether it's legal or not. Yeah. And so I, I think you're probably right. But now I guess the difference is the product is legal, and so now they will be testing you for cannabis in your system if you're driving. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I, I also that uh, device they said will test for was it cocaine and crystal meth as well, right? Yeah, other drugs as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot, buddy. Thank you. Joe. Hi, Joe. Hey. Hey, Al. Hi. I paid devil's advocate with you a little bit. Okay, yeah. Go. Okay. uh, You're a fairly big guy. Yep. So would you test the same as someone who is five, six, a buck fifty-five? Well, it's no different than alcohol. Well, is it? Would a bigger guy get drunk faster than a smaller guy? Well, I think it's it's not always based on size, but I think alcohol affects people differently, and it is and blood, about, and it well, is how about time of use. Well, yeah, there's several factors for sure. But what's your what's your point, Joe? I don't well, understand what your did, point how is. They came up, how did they come up with the five nanograms? Was it from another system, say a Washington or a Colorado? Well, we're model? just kind of getting word of this, right? Keep in mind this, you know, this is just now getting out. Obviously, Diana's got to go off and do her stories, and now we start to analyze. Now we'll talk. We'll get experts on. We'll talk to people about this. Uh, but that's a, a good point. Where where did they come up with this? We'll find out. Yeah. Yeah, and more information, and obviously it needs to be done. Yep, absolutely. All right, Joe, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate the call. Thanks a lot. And uh, John, is uh, is line two okay to take there, uh, Jeff? Line two, can I take line two? Yeah, you talk to, uh, you talk to, it's not John, though, it's Jay. Ah, Jay, <laughs> hello, Jay. Hey, how's it going? Good, man. I just wanted to say I didn't ask for weed to be uh, legalized, and I didn't ask for potential DNA tests to be given to anyone at, at random. Because once they swab your mouth, they have your DNA. Yeah. So I think the whole thing is absurd. Um, okay, I, I understand you. You again, it's a case of you feel that your rights are uh, are being uh, trampled on. It's the estate just encroaching more and more and more. So I, I don't understand where this is coming from. Like but I, I don't, don't want think, weed but, but legalized. Yeah. Well, we don't have we don't have any we don't have any say about that. It is going to be legalized, but don't you think we need to now figure out who is driving under the influence and who isn't? Isn't that more important than your rights? Well, yes. And something funny to add to this, even though I didn't ask for weed to be legalized, uh, I will say this: when I was uh, very young, I did drive under the influence of marijuana. And I drove surprisingly perfect, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't you, know how this is going to work. <laughs> or you thought you did? No, I did. I <laughs> I could not. I could not go over the speed limit. Yeah. Uh, I was. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. I have no idea. I think it's a real dangerous subject. I just. You know what? This is the first time I heard about this mouth swabbing right. thing. I just think that's way, way too much. Now they're going to stop people and swab everyone's mouths and have all this DNA recorded. And I didn't ask for them to do that, and I didn't ask for weed to be legalized. So that's it. 
Yeah, but listen, you know, Jay, I'm not I'm not arguing. Uh, well, I guess maybe I am arguing with you a little bit, but uh, you make a good point, though. They're now going to have your DNA, whereas if you mm-hmm. if you blow a breathalyzer on the side of a road, they don't have your DNA. Now, all of a sudden, you're right. They have your DNA. So I understand your concern. I really do. And I think we'll be talking about it now over the next day or two, at least here on CJOB. Um, but at the same time, we have to figure out a way to keep people that are well, impaired off this? the road. How about this? Let's all answer this question. What exactly do the effects of marijuana have on you as a driver? Well, like, what are we looking for? What is the definitive um, effect of driving high? What does a high driver look like? Well, Jay, uh, have you ever been high before? Yep. Well then, you should. I shouldn't even have to answer that question for you. I you you know you. that you know that perfectly. you're. No, well, I don't. I don't agree. I don't agree. I don't agree. I don't agree you, either. I think it's all up in the air. So I, yeah. I want to know what what does a high driver look like? What are we looking for? Yeah. With our what is observable? Good questions, and we're going to start asking, and we'll ask those questions over the next day or two. We'll get the answers. I promise. Sure. Okay, Jake. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Appreciate thanks. it. And Kevin is on the phone. Hello, Kevin. Hmm. No, Kevin. Sorry about that, Kevin. Uh, we were just about out of time for this half hour. I think I have just enough time to play the Muchos Kilos song that I have been promising. Yes, I do. Just enough time for this. It is the first day of spring, and so I present to you Muchos Kilos, me, Shaner, and Timmy, my band of big guys, and a song that we call Love Spring. First day of spring here in Winnipeg and in Manitoba, muchos kilos, me, Shaner, and Timmy, my band of big guys. That is sure to be a hit. Sure to be a hit. Love spring. Uh, I see Ian on the phone. We're going to talk to Ian during the news. And uh, coming up here on CJOB after Tristan Field-Jones and the news at 2.30, we're going to talk to Patrick Osborne. He is a newsman down at KLBJ News Radio in Austin, Texas, where they have had deadly bombings, and police are still looking for who is doing it. That's coming up after the news. Hal Anderson on CJOB. Thank you, TFJ. Yes, we have hit our forecast high of plus one. First day of spring. 
We got lots of stuff to get to here. I was not expecting so many phone calls about distracted driving, and now we're starting to find out a bit more about uh, driving under the influence of cannabis. Basically, they're going to test your saliva, and you kind of either pass or fail right on the spot, and then they can take it from there if you fail and order a blood test. And so we're kind of uh, chatting about that here as we uh, go along today. And we've got a few phone calls to get to, certainly some text messages and uh, emails as well. Let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, Austin, Texas right now. All these explosions are happening down in Austin, Texas. Here is the latest. One by one, boxes have been removed from the sorting room at the FedEx Center in suburban San Antonio and laid on the ground outside. Investigators are working to isolate the parcel that exploded last night as it rode along a conveyor belt, slightly injuring one employee to determine whether it was a bomb or something else that blew up in transit. Meanwhile, another suspicious package has prompted a hazardous materials response at a FedEx facility near the airport here in Austin. Flights have not been affected. Jim Ryan, ABC News, Austin, Texas. And just before going on the air at 1 o'clock here at CJOB, I reached out to Patrick Osborne. He is a newsman, a reporter at KLBJ News Radio in Austin, Texas. Here is our conversation from just before 1 o'clock, just before I went on the air here this afternoon on CJOB. Well, it's certainly a community on edge. Uh, you know, since March 2nd, we have had four confirmed bombings here within the Austin city limits. There was a fifth bombing uh, in a town called Shirts, which is about an hour south of Austin, so closer to San Antonio. That actually happened this morning at a Federal Express distribution center. And uh, from what we understand, there was actually uh, the package that detonated on the conveyor belt today was addressed to a location here in Austin. So it, it looks like it could have been Austin's fifth package bombing that detonated early. Uh, and we, we do, we, we've had a couple of people who have passed away, uh, a young teen uh, last week. And then on March 2nd, the first bombing, uh, another man was also killed. We've had people get injured. And it's really concerning to the community right now because this bomber is changing up his M.O. from just leaving things on packages and, and overnight and having people show up and and either pick them up or, or bring them inside and detonate them. He's now uh, beginning to set these packages with trip wires, uh, which adds a, a, and out in public places as well. So that adds a whole new nefarious aspect to this case. And uh, the Austin Police Department has actually received about 1,300 calls to 911 in just the past couple of weeks. Uh, with people very concerned about packages that they've seen near their house or somewhere out in in the middle of public. So. To say that uh, that the city of Austin is very concerned would probably be an understatement at this point. What's the latest on the investigation? Police have any leads? Police don't. If they do have any specific leads, they haven't gone public with any of it. Uh, they have said that they, they've had numerous persons of interest and have just basically been going down the list, checking them off one by one, finding out whether or not their story jives with, with everything else they've found out. And so far at this point... It uh, doesn't look like they have anyone specifically in mind as to who may be doing this. We had packages exploding here in Winnipeg a while back. One person was hurt, but police were able to get a suspect in custody fairly quickly. I can't imagine multiple deadly explosions down there in Austin, and police still don't know who's doing it. Well, it, it, it's frustrating for a lot of people because, you know, so many houses these days have home surveillance footage, home surveillance cameras, and yet uh, who, whoever is behind these bombings 
is finding a way to subvert all of that, get into a neighborhood, uh, set the bomb, and get out without anyone noticing. And the the story has been changing. And initially, it was from the Austin Police Department was uh, none of these packages are being shipped through any official mail delivery service or UPS, FedEx, anything like that. So people weren't on, on the lookout for that. And also APD was saying, you know, don't worry, because all of these packages, the bomber's MO is to put them on, on porches. Because all of that has changed, and with the addition of this blast at the Federal Express facility this morning, it's really frustrating to people knowing that, I mean, well, at least from, from the armchair perspective, it, it, it does appear that this bomber is trying to stay one step ahead of police by changing up. Uh, you know, anytime police feel like they're getting a, a kind of a, a, a gauge on what this person's tactics may be, that he changes it up. And so that, that only adds to the sense of uncertainty because as police feel like they're zeroing in on, on a, a specific motive or, or operation here, he changes everything. And so we're, we're looking at it going, you know, every time we're, we're anywhere close to maybe even naming a suspect, everything changes. And so it, it's from day to day, it's something new. And so not only is it frustrating, but it's also very frightening for a lot of people. There's a big concern that, you know, with the addition of these tripwires, that the next victim could just be some young child walking by or riding a bicycle. And of course, nobody wants to see anyone get hurt, but especially someone like a child who has their entire life ahead of them. So it it's uh, it, it's hard to put into words uh, the the feeling that 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 is uh, in Austin right now. But it, but one of great concern is is a good way to describe it. Thank you for your time, and we're thinking of you up here in Canada. Hey, thanks so much, and uh, t- take care of yourself. That is Patrick Osborne. I chatted with him just before I came on the air at one o'clock here on CJOB. He is at KLBJ News Radio in Austin. Texas. We can talk about uh, the explosions down in Austin if you wanted. I don't know. When I first heard about these explosions in Austin, I, I couldn't help but think about us here and how we all felt, I think, you know, when these uh, packages were out there and, you know, exploding and, oh, another package. And then that building got shut down till they figured out what was going on. I'm sure they're just panicked like uh, crazy down in uh, in Austin, Texas. I'll tell you what, uh, I've got, uh, I'm going to go through these text messages. I want to get these organized so we can read them properly. I've got some phone calls as well we've got to get to, but I'll just lighten it up for a quick moment here before we uh, head to a break. I don't know if you've heard about this or not. Jeff, you're a bit of a music guy. Have you heard of this Russian singer? His name is Vitas. Is it Vitas or oh, Vitas I... or... I have no idea. Okay, have you heard of the song? The song's called Seventh Element, or it's also called Chum Drum Badrum. Have you heard about this? Okay. Oh, wait a minute. I might, yeah. have, I might have heard this, yes. This guy is just strange, something about this guy. And uh, I'll play a bit of the song in a second. And you may have, as soon as I heard it, I, I thought, oh, yeah, I've heard this song. The name of the song, yes. Yeah, I'm... yeah. So I don't know how you say this Russian guy's name, V-I-T-A-S, Vitas, I guess. I don't know. Anyhow, they've taken his vocal track from this song and they've isolated just his vocal track. So listen to that, okay? And I don't know how he does this. I don't know how he makes these sounds. But listen to this. This is just his vocals, and then I'll I'll play the song, okay? So take take a listen to this. This is this Russian singer Vitus. This is just his vocal track on this song. Listen. <laughs> Uh, 
like that set, that last part it's, there. How does he do that? I don't. I don't know. And like when I watched the actual video of it, and I looked at the comments, a lot of yeah. people were like, "This is the strangest thing I've ever seen." But I'm amazed of how good he does that. In- he's incredible that he can do. I don't know how he does it. And even the people, if you've seen the video that I saw, I think it's the the only one out there, or one of the only ones out there. He's performing, and the crowd, even the people in the crowd that have paid to go and see this guy, are just watching him like he's a car wreck. Like, uh, who is this guy, and how does he do this? I'll play this one more time, and then I'll I'll play a bit of the song to a break here. <laughs> That part's the weird part, right? That, I don't know how he That's, does it. It's all in the tongue, I think. It's all think in the so. tongue. I think so. Here is a bit of this song to a break. We'll be back. Hal Anderson on CJOB. Anderson on 680 CJOV. Okay, 247. This Donald Trump thing, man, I'm telling you. Now, apparently, uh, Stormy Daniels took uh, a lie detector test, a polygraph, and it shows her to be truthful about unprotected sex with Donald Trump. There you go. That's the headline. OMG. OMG. Let's get back to uh, issues closer to home here. Let's talk about driving high. All right. We found out uh, from the province that uh, you will be, if they pull you over and you are suspected of driving high, smoking marijuana, and then driving, they are going to uh, test your saliva. They're going to test your saliva and you fail or pass on the spot, then they go over a blood test and sort of uh, take it beyond that. And as I've told a couple of callers that have called in with questions, we're just finding out about this, so it's going to take us a while to get the answers to some of your questions, but we welcome your questions. 204-780-6868. Let's go to the phone. Ian is on the phone right now. Hi, Ian. How are you? Good. How are you? Oh, not too bad. Yeah, my question is... uh what about the people who are on medicinal marijuana? I'll give you an example. My wife is on medicinal marijuana for arthritis and severe back pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, she smokes one joint of THC every night before bed because it helps her sleep with insomnia. And right. during the day, she'll smoke CBD a little bit. Um, now, I know it builds up in your system. It's associated with the fat cells and stuff. So it will build up. So will that, if they're testing you and doing a swab, is that, uh, would that be inaccurate? Well, does she drive now? Uh, sometimes during the day if she has to go uh, pick up a few groceries or things like that, but she doesn't smoke it during the day mm. other than the CBD, which has no THC in it. She smokes THC at night because it helps her sleep. That's, mm-hmm. uh, I guess the psychological effect of it. Right? Yeah. I, I guess maybe uh, if they pulled you over and you failed the saliva test, uh, maybe you'd have a card that showed that you were on, uh, you know, medical marijuana, or maybe, uh, like, is she allowed to drive now using marijuana for medicinal purposes? Well, I don't, 
I honestly couldn't answer that question yeah. because I, I, and I don't know the uh, I don't know the answer either. But like I said to a couple of other callers, uh, now that we know, we'll get the answers. Okay, so keep listening. Okay, I appreciate it, Al. All right, that's Ian. And uh, let me read a couple of text messages here. I'm all for sober, safe driving, Hal, but I don't want to give up my DNA. I don't even have a Facebook account, LOL. Uh, This person is asking me not to use their name. The text says, I have a prescription for medicinal cannabis, and there is no way I could or would ever drive after using my medication. If someone says they can drive fine on weed like your caller Jay Hal, they are lying to themselves. It definitely impairs me. Uh, another one here. We're getting some text messages to what scared you as a kid. We'll get back to those uh, in a bit. I want to keep those going too because there's some good ones there. Uh, another text message here. Um... What happens when that person gets a swab for saliva on the side of the road and tests positive? That person isn't intoxicated, but will have an ingredient of cannabis in their system. Oh, I see. They're asking if uh, somebody is is uh, on cannabis for medical reasons. Maybe you have a card that says, "I." But then you know, uh, can you be driving on on medical uh, marijuana? Not sure. I know it's different than uh, recreational stuff, but I'm, I'm not sure on that. Uh, Hal, why would people care about their DNA being taken? Yeah, if you're just tuning in, we're getting some people saying, oh, I'm not giving my DNA, which is essentially what you're giving them if they're getting some of your saliva. Uh, this person says, Hal, why would people care about their DNA being taken? I get it if you're Phil Collins and worried about it being sold on eBay to some fan, but come on. Mm, I understand the concern. I do. I don't think I, uh, I mean, I don't have, I wouldn't have a problem doing it, but I do understand the concern. Somebody else here says people have been driving high for years, Hal, and they've been getting lost while doing so. That's about the only result I can think of from driving high. I disagree. I think there's definite impairment there. That's just me. And like I said, over the next day or two, we'll talk to experts and we'll see what they say. But that's certainly how I feel about it. Uh, Tim says, and what happened when you don't feel impaired a few hours after smoking a joint, but still get nabbed for having more than the legal limit in your system? Well, I guess it's the same as, uh, drinking alcohol. Dave says, how I heard marijuana stays in your system for a month. Does that mean I can't have a puff and then drive for a month? Hmm. Tim says, cigarettes make you high too. Maybe we should test for nicotine. A regular user of weed will react way different than a first-time user. Yeah, good point. Uh, The distracted driving law, and now we're back to distracted driving. So distracted driving law is going to create a huge market for dash-mounted cell phone holders. Well, I think that's already been happening. Uh, but yeah, maybe. And, uh, let me see who we've got here wanting to talk about distracted driving. Doug is on the line. Let's hear what Doug has to say. Hi, Doug. Hey, Al, how are you? Good. Good. So, you know, there, so the discussion obviously is, you know, what, what's more appropriate financial or punitive. And I've yeah. got to agree with one of the last callers who said that, you know, having an element of shame to this, I think is more 
has more punch. And, Mm. you know, I agree with that in the sense that a lot of people I've been talking to lately, there's a real lack of appreciation of cash. I mean, you and I are of a generation where you had to walk around and you had cash in your hand. And if you lost $20 or had to pay a bill, you, you, you kind of felt it because it was, it was tangible. Mm -hmm. But a conversation that I had recently with, with a young family member about late payment fees and stuff, she said, well, I don't see it anyways. And I thought, wow, you know, in her particular case, her checks are direct (laughs) deposited and all of her payments are made by debit card. So she really doesn't see or appreciate the the value, you know, of cash. So I think increasing the penalties financially, you know what? Big deal. I I mean, Mm. make them a thousand dollars. Sure. That's going to hurt the, you know, it's going to hurt. The, the, the random person, but increasing the financial penalties may also have a greater effect on the family. Yeah. I mean, if I end up, I've got young kids and I'm the, the penalty is a thousand dollars. Well, that might take food off my table. Now, yes, some may argue, well, just don't do it. But the reality is if that happens and that takes food off the table, then my kids, you know, may suffer. Well, not my kids, but kids may suffer. Yeah. Yeah. If it's punitive, you know what? At the end of the day, you grab a ride from a friend, you know, you take a taxi, whatever. So I would prefer that the punitive damages are there versus financial because I think there's yeah. two elements. Right. One section won't care how much it is, and the other, it'll go to hurt the family members. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we don't, you know, Whatever. We really don't want to see people going without food on their table. Right. Yeah. Okay, Doug. No, I appreciate the call. That's a good call. All right. Have a great day. All right. So whether you want to talk about distracted driving or if you want to talk about driving high, we can do either or something else. And we're continuing to take your text messages, phone calls, and emails on what scared you as a kid. What as a kid scared the heck out of you? Josh and Glenn. Josh and Glenn, I see you on the phone. Do not hang up. I'm going to talk to you in just a sec, okay? So don't hang up. You guys want to talk about driving high, and we certainly want to continue to do that here on CJOB. We're going to break here for Global News at 3 o'clock. Tristan Field-Jones is standing by, and then the final hour for me here on CJOB. All right? Stay right there show we are talking oh we're going to get back to the oddest thing you were scared of as a child the weirdest strangest thing that frightened you as a child because i got a bunch of text messages on that but we're kind of uh busy right now people reacting to what we found out here you may have just heard it in the news province has put forward a bill today setting out the plan for penalizing drivers using cannabis basically they're going to test your saliva And uh, that's how they're going to, you know, catch you uh, on drugs and driving. Let's go to the phone, 204-780-6868. Hello, Josh. Hey, Al. Hi. I want to talk about uh, the comment that somebody said, you cannot drive while high at all. All right, go ahead. Uh, I think that some people, like, as as a former daily smoker for I think about 14 years um, I personally was capable of driving a motor vehicle while under the influence of marijuana and my cousin who was a daily smoker could not handle driving a motor vehicle under the influence of of anything so I think it's 
to blanket everybody and say, "Oh, you can't do it." I don't think that's I don't think that's true. No, but but, but Josh, as as, but here's the but here's the reality though. We can't also go and test Josh and then test his cousin and go, "Yeah, you can and you can't." I'm not sure I agree no. with with your premise, but you can't do that. So you have uh, to have laws that apply to everybody. I never said that was a premise of okay. mine. I was just stating the fact that uh, ignorant people think that you know marijuana affects everybody the same. Same as alcohol, same as uh, some hard drugs. A, a drug affects everybody differently. Not one person has the exact same reaction. But I think to the key is, I think the key there, though, Josh, is, and this is what I was talking about when I said I don't agree with your premise, you just said it. You said it affects everybody, but it affects everybody differently. And exactly. that's, well, and so that's why we need laws. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate yeah. the call. Hello, Glenn. Hello, Al. How are you doing? Good. You? Good. That uh, smoke, I mean, that marijuana smoking. Mm. So how much how much can I smoke before I'm over? Do they know that? Well, like uh, I said, we're going to figure all that out. We did get some numbers uh, on it, but as somebody else pointed out, what do the numbers mean? You know, this is all kind of new to everybody, right? So we gotta we got to figure this out. we got to learn about it, I guess. Yeah, because when I go out at, for supper or to a social, I have one beer and I say, that's good. So I'm just going, what can I have? A yeah. joint? Two joints? Or what can I smoke? Right. Yeah, like they're saying two to five nanograms is considered low level, and then more than five nanograms is a high level. But you bring up a good question. How much can I smoke or ingest before I hit two to five or over five nanograms? Because I know my kids, they they spoke up. Well, they're not kids anymore, but I know one of them affects them more than the other one. Yep. They have a few pups. Yep, somebody else just made that uh, same uh, point. Yeah. Thank you, Glenn. So, uh, Appreciate it. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks a lot, Al. All right, keep the uh, text messages, phone calls, and emails coming on this, 204-780-6868, hal at cjob.com. Let's get back to uh, what used to scare the daylight study as a kid. Uh, somebody just sent this text message in. Hal, scared of opening music on Perry Mason. I'd run straight to my room, put my pillow over my ears to try and drown out the noise of that theme music from Perry Mason. Just ridiculous. Why would you be afraid of that, right? But everybody, I think, has this stuff that they were afraid of as a kid. I asked the question because it was quite the conversation on Twitter yesterday. All about this. Things that scared you when you were a kid. Uh, For example, here's one from a listener. My grandfather's dentures, Hal, terrified me. I hated to see him without his teeth. That's a funny one. And then just when you think, oh, come on, that's ridiculous. Then I get another one from somebody saying exactly the same thing. They just, uh, dentures scare the heck out of them. Here's one. After watching Toy Story, I was afraid to leave my toys behind in case they got sad. From Jasmine. Thank you, Jasmine. Somebody else saying they were scared of mannequins. Hey, I'm scared of mannequins now. I don't like mannequins now. Uh, There's another one just came in. Trish, I was scared of old people who did not have their dentures in. That's funny. Uh, Most scary movie, uh, most scary movies as a kid, killer clowns from outer space. After that, no more circus. Another one, as a child, I was scared of the witch in the basement that my sibling told me lived there. Obviously, they were lying. 
Are you sure? <laughs> uh, Howie used to have a Santa Claus picture. It lit up at night. I was scared of it while trying to sleep. Yikes. That's funny. Uh, that reminds me, when I was a little, little kid, my grandmother had this old stuffed Santa Claus, and I just didn't like him. He would just bothered me. And when I went back uh, to Alberta recently here and we moved my mom into uh, her senior's home and stuff, I was going through some things that I was bringing back, and I found the old Santa, and I stuck it in the box, and I brought it home. So, yeah, funny, eh? And, and now it's something I want to keep. Hal used to put my books in the shape of my body on my bed. My older brother had me believing whoever or what under was or whatever was under my bed would try and stab me. So the books would help uh, protect me. I would try and lay there light as a feather. <laughs> Lobsters, Hal, under my bed that wanted to eat my toes. Where do we get this stuff from as kids, eh? Uh, another one, freaked out as a kid. A vortex in the water in the spring at Sturgeon Creek at Ness. Another one. Hal, I used to babysit my preschool brother, who was always a terror. So to keep him in line, I told him that the school bus that came up and down our street was the bus that takes bad boys away, never to be seen again. Worked great every day. LOL. Yes, and he's in therapy now, and I'm sure you're not terribly happy about that. And uh, one more here from Greg. When I was a kid, I was terrified of a ventriloquist dummy that my cousins would chase me around their house with. I still don't like the damn thing. 3.14, quarter after 3. We're going to break, check uh, traffic and weather, and then we're back. Hal Anderson on CJOB. Hal Anderson. I love your show. I don't, I never miss your show. It's wonderful, Hal. Keep up the good work. Thanks a lot for being there. Hal Anderson on 680 CJLB. All right, so it is 319 now, and uh, we're going to go to Jeff Patton at Water and Waste and Water over at the city of Winnipeg. Hello, Jeff. Good afternoon, Hal. Happy Fix-A-Leak Week. Tell us why this Happy. is important. Happy Fix-A-Leak Week as well, Hal. Uh, it's really important for residents to check for plumbing leaks, uh, uh, and we're highlighting uh, that aspect this week. Uh, plumbing leaks can run uh, 24 hours a day, mm -hmm. seven days a week, and they can uh, really add up to additional costs for homeowners. Yeah, for sure. Hey, I wanted to ask you something, Jeff. If somebody does have a leak uh, that they didn't deal with, maybe they weren't aware of it, uh, is there any sort of mercy at the city of Winnipeg, or is it, hey, you're paying the water bill, man, it's $1,200, uh, uh, too bad. Is there any kind of uh, uh, grace or, or mercy at the city in a situation like that? Hal, there are some programs that uh, that deal with this situation. I I, uh, I would encourage people if they do have a high bill to contact us through three one one, and then we can have a discussion and see uh, how we can help residents out. Sure, on a case by case basis. Uh, but I Correct. did think it was important to talk about this. Uh, give us an example of a leak that maybe uh, people aren't aware. Uh, that it's happening that can end up costing a lot of money and, and causing a lot of damage. Give us an example or two. So, you know, most of the leaks can occur in the bathroom. Uh, and one common leak that can occur is is basically a running toilet. So toilets that are leaking, uh, the water can be bypassing uh, the flap valve in the uh, toilet tank. 
uh, and be going right to waste. And this can go unnoticed, especially if it's a downstairs bathroom or a bathroom you don't use uh, regularly. Uh, so that's an example of a really uh, uh, high-cost leak that, uh, that uh, can be found and can be fixed ra- rather cheaply. Yeah, like that's a $20, $25 fix, right? If you can do it yourself, just grab the parts at uh, Home Depot or, or Rona and, uh, and it's fixed. But if it continues to run like that, it doesn't take long before that uh, water bill is uh, over $1,000. I've had it happen. Sure. Yep. No, uh, I as well. Uh, I've had uh, uh, flapper valves that have leaked. And uh, there's a simple test that you can uh, do on your own. Uh, Yes, the parts are very inexpensive and and, uh, homeowners with some skill can uh, complete the repair. Uh, But a simple test would be to to open up the back of the tank and put uh, uh, a couple of drops of food coloring uh, and then let the toilet sit for about 15 or 20 minutes. And if you see a color in the bowl, then you know you have a leak. Jeff, anything else you wanted to get out there about Fix a Leak Week? Well, how I want to, to encourage people to look at this. I also want people uh, encourage people to sign up for My Utility Bill. It's a, a new online service for the City of Winnipeg Water and Waste Department. Uh, encourages people to uh, do uh, regular meter reads online and get information and uh, detect those leaks early. Jeff, thank you. Great. Thanks, Phil. Have a great day. Jeff Patton at the City of Winnipeg. Waste and Water. Fix a leak week. And Mike is on the phone with a traffic tip for us. 204-780-6868. Hi, Mike. What do you got? Hey, Hal. Hey, right at the corner of Empress and Ellis. If you're coming uh, westbound on Empress, there's an accident on the northbound side uh, on at Empress. Two vehicles, police and um, tow truck are on the scene, but it'll take a little bit of time to clean up the corner. So just a little caution if you're coming through there. Ellis and Empress. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, but appreciate your help. Appreciate all your help with traffic, especially. It's it's great to chat with you about the stuff we're talking about. But if you see something out there, yeah, by all means, let us know somehow. There are a few ways you can do that. But uh, while I'm on during the show, 204-780-6868, and we'll let everybody else know. All right? Try and keep things moving along. The show will keep moving along.